Please turn in your Bibles tonight to Psalm 29. Psalm 29, and I'll read the entire psalm. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And he makes Lebanon Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This psalm is sometimes called the psalm of the thunderstorm because David here contemplates the power and majesty of God in a thunderstorm. It seems most likely that David wrote this psalm during a thunderstorm and there seems to be a movement of the storm from the beginning to the end of the psalm. In verse 3, he first hears the thunder at a distance coming over the waters of the Mediterranean Sea. And he looks over the horizon. He sees the dark clouds gathering and the lightning flashing upon the sea. In verses 5 and 6, the storm now moves inland over Lebanon in the north and Syrian, which is another name for Mount Hermon. And then by the end of verse 8, The storm has moved southward over the wilderness of Kadesh in the south. David speaks of the thunder, the lightning, the rain, the effects of the fierce wind, the tempest of the mighty storm, the fearful, devastating effects that it brings as it moves over the land. But the central figure in this psalm is the Lord, the mighty God of heaven. His name is mentioned 20 times in this short psalm, 18 times the name Jehovah is used, the eternal, unchanging, and self-sufficient God. Once the shortened, a shortened form of Elohim, the God of creation, is used, and two times the Lord is mentioned as king. And in particular, his voice is mentioned, the voice of the Lord Seven times is mentioned because by his voice he exerts his power over nature and the storm. We may divide the psalm into three sections. First, there is a call to worship in verses 1 and 2. 
Second, we have, we hear the terrible power of the voice of the Lord in verses 3 through 9. And third, the gentleness of the Lord with his people in verses 10 and 11. In the first place, David begins with a call to worship in the first two verses. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The word ascribe is sometimes translated give to the Lord. Not that we may give anything to him, But we are called here to recognize and acknowledge the wonderful attributes that belong to him alone. We are to come to him in worship and adoration of his majesty and glory. We are to declare his mighty power and the wisdom of his works and his wonders in creation. Three times in these verses, David calls upon us to ascribe glory, majesty, and power to the Lord. The commentators differ as to who the sons of the mighty are in verse 1. Some say they are the angels of heaven, and others say they are the kings and the mighty men on earth. The words are used, it seems, in both ways in the Bible. If he refers to the angels of heaven, then David calls upon the angels to do the duty that is constantly theirs, about the throne of heaven. If he refers to the kings and the mighty men of earth, David calls upon them who are so proud so often and so consumed in their own glory to worship the Lord and give glory to him. But we know that David would call upon all men to worship God. And David here in this psalm, he is so filled with awe and reverence over the power of God in the thunderstorm, that we may understand this to be a universal call to all creation, to all the hosts and the angels of heaven, all men great and small upon the earth, to bow and give honor and praise to the glorious God. In the beginning of verse 2, he mentions the glory due to his name. There is infinite glory that is due to the name of the Lord for who he is. And we are to acknowledge, begin to acknowledge something of the glory that he is worthy of. This is what worship is. It is to acknowledge his glory. It begins on earth, it expands, and it continues in heaven for all eternity. At the end of verse 2, Our Bibles read, worship the Lord in holy array, perhaps better translated in other Bibles, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, which refers to the inward purity and the holiness that the Lord requires of all who would come before him in worship. Nothing is more necessary, nothing is more beautiful, and nothing is more desirable to God than holiness in those who would come And worship him. The second thing we see in this psalm is the power and majesty of the voice of the Lord. Beginning in verse 3 and down through verse 9, verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. 
The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. When David speaks here of the voice of the Lord, he refers to the thunder of the storm. As we see in the middle of the verse, verse 3, that the God of glory thunders. Thunder is associated with God's voice at times in the Bible. Job chapter 37 and verse 2. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes forth from his mouth. When God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke from the mountain, there was thunder and lightning upon the mountain. The God of glory thunders. In the beginning of verse 3, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. And then at the end of verse 3, the Lord is over many waters. Here we see the omnipresence of the Lord. That he is present in every place throughout his world. And he is present over all the waters of the vast oceans. The oceans are so vast that men can sail for weeks upon them. And see only water and never see land. But the Lord is still there in every place. And he rules sovereignly over the waters of the oceans. He makes his thunder and his lightnings known. He sends tsunamis and tidal waves. He makes the wind of hurricanes raise up the waters of the ocean and move them over the land, and inundate and cover the earth. He calms the waters of the sea as well. He sets boundaries upon the oceans, so that they may go no further. Jeremiah 5 and verse 22, the Lord says, Do you not fear me? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary of the sea, an eternal decree, so that it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. The Lord is upon the waters in sovereignty. The Lord is over many waters. David looked over the horizon And he saw the dark clouds of the thunderstorm and the lightning as it approached. And the storms are symbolic of the troubles and the confusions and disorders of this present world. And with the decay of our present society, we may look over the horizon of time And we may see the dark thunder clouds gathering. And we may be easily troubled and anxious by what might come. But no matter how great the upheaval and the swell of the oceans may be, Jehovah is the one who is still sovereign over all the waters. And he rules as king from heaven. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. And from his throne in heaven, the voice of the Lord comes down over all the waters. 
The Canaanites had their mythological interpretation of weather based on their gods. The Canaanites had one god named Baal Hadad, who was supposed to be the god of the storm, and another god called Yam, who was to be the god of the sea. And these two gods came into conflict with one another. And Baal Hadad, the god of the storm, won. And so he took preeminence among the Canaanite gods. But David knew. David knew about the Canaanites' gods. And what David is doing here in this verse is he is sweeping away the false gods of the Canaanites. And he is saying the only true and living god is Jehovah. And he rules over many waters and over all the waters of the earth and over the storms as well. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters and the Lord Jehovah is sovereign over many waters. To be caught in the middle of a fierce thunderstorm can be a frightening, overpowering experience. Men tremble when they see lightning bolts flashing down out of the sky randomly, capriciously, as if out of nowhere. And the shock waves of the mighty claps of thunder reverberate in the air. When men hear the voice of the Lord in the storm, They tremble because they are weak and helpless before the power of God. And they see how quickly he could bring their life to an end. And they must acknowledge, as verse 4 says, that the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The first century Roman emperor named Caligluel, Caligula was the most powerful man in the world at that time because he ruled the entire Roman Empire. But it was said that he was so fearful when thunderstorms came over his palace that he hid for safety under his bed. When Martin Luther, the the Protestant reformer, was caught in a terrible thunderstorm at night, And the flashes of lightning came down all around him. He fell to the ground and he was terrified. And he promised that he would give himself to God as a priest in the monastery if he would spare his life. All it takes is the voice of the Lord, a word from his mouth and thunder and lightning come down. He sits as king on his throne and he speaks with his voice. It was by his voice in the creation that all things were made. He said, let there be light and there was light. And on each of the six days, it was by the voice of the Lord that he spoke and it was done. And he commanded and it stood fast. Jeremiah 51 in verse 15 says, it is he who made the earth by his power who established the world by his wisdom. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain 
and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. If the mere voice of the Lord can create the universe, and if the voice of the Lord can send thunder and lightning down from heaven, then how much power and majesty truly belongs to him. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. What David is doing throughout this psalm is that he is tracing everything that takes place on earth, even the things of nature, the tempest of the storm, back to its origin and source, who is Jehovah the Lord. When he heard the thunder and saw the lightning, he knew that it was not by chance, but it all came by the voice of the Lord under his rule and authority. He rules in absolute sovereignty. And whatever takes place in this world, whether in the mighty thunder of the storm or in the trials, difficulties, and troubles of, his, of our lives, all things are by his providence and all things are under his power and his rule alone. David saw through the secondary causes of events on earth to the first cause of all things, who is the Lord by the power of his voice. When he saw the dark clouds of the thunderstorm and he heard the claps of thunder and he saw the lightning flashes, he did not say to himself, it is Mother Nature. And he did not say it is merely a weather phenomena. But he said to himself, it is the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. In this psalm, the voice of the Lord is heard in nature, especially in the thunderstorm. But the voice of the Lord is not only heard in nature, the voice of the Lord is heard in Scripture as well. Scripture is his voice. And how much clearer and how much more powerful is his voice in Scripture? All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is the voice of God inscribed in his word. But the voice of the Lord comes to its ultimate and highest expression in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord incarnate, the word, the eternal word, which became flesh and dwelt among us. The voice of the Lord is heard in Jesus. God has spoken to us in his word, in his beloved Son, Verse 3 says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters, and the Lord is over many waters. And so it was with Jesus when he was in the boat with his disciples, and the fierce wind descended upon the sea. And the waves and the water were stirred up and began to swamp the boat so that they were in danger and thought they were perishing. And Jesus stood in the boat and said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves were stopped, and the sea became perfectly calm. 
The disciples were amazed. They said, who is this who commands the wind and the water and they obey him? It is the Lord with his voice. The voice of the Lord is upon many waters and the voice of the Lord is over them. Jesus could speak a word from a distance and the sick and dying would be healed. The voice of the Lord is majestic and powerful. He could come to the tomb of Lazarus who was dead for four days and command Lazarus come forth and Lazarus was raised from the dead in a resurrection. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic in all of his mighty works. The voice, verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon are known for their size and great strength. They are stately, lofty trees that live for hundreds and hundreds of years. But by the power of the Lord in his voice, by a single strike of lightning, he can shatter the mighty tree into splinters. And by his wind, he can take it down to the ground and turn it into splinters of straw. What the voice of the Lord does in nature, the voice of the Lord also does in the hearts of men by his word. He breaks down, he breaks down the hard and proud hearts of men. He takes hearts of stone, he turns them into hearts of flesh, the voice of the Lord in the gospel. Saul of Tarsus was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor against the church. And we read in the book of Acts chapter 9, that when he was on his way to Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. A lightning bolt came down out of the sky all around Saul. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice, a voice speaking out of heaven. It was the voice of the Lord himself. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And by the voice of the Lord, the proud Pharisee became a humble disciple. And the persecutor of the church became the great apostle of the church. The tax gatherer went up into the temple and cried, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. His proud, hard heart had been broken, shattered by the voice of the Lord. Mary Magdalene, seven demons were cast out of her. But it is the same for every saint who gets saved. The gospel is always the power of God to salvation. Whether it comes to us in a sense of terror or whether it comes to us in infinite gentleness, the Lord knows how to draw sinners to himself and he breaks down the cedars of the hard hearts of men. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Verse 6, 
And he makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian, Syrian like a young wild ox. This perhaps speaks of the phenomena of nature called the earthquake, in which God can shake an entire nation like Lebanon and make it skip like a calf. Or he can take a great mountain like Syrian, Mount Hermon, a 10,000-foot mountain, and God can take that mighty mountain in an earthquake and make it shake like a young, wild ox. The voice of the Lord, again, spoken of in this way, down in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes now the wilderness, whether by earthquake or by the terrible thunderstorm, the voice of the Lord shakes the ground, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord shook Mount Sinai Sinai with his voice. The whole mountain quaked violently, Moses tells us. And when Jesus died upon the cross, he cried out, With his own voice, the voice of the Lord, he cried with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit and Golgotha shook and the rocks were split, the earthquake shook it and the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints were raised. The the voice of the Lord shook Mount Sinai, the voice of the Lord shook Golgotha as well. In verse 7, the voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. His lightning flashes seem to open up the clouds like flames of fire being sent down from heaven and setting fires upon the earth. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. But the voice of the Lord in the scripture is a fire as well. The Lord said to Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah 23, verse 29, he says, is not my word like fire? Jeremiah 5 and verse 14, the Lord said, behold, I am making my words in your mouth fire. This is what happened to the two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus revealed himself to them in the scripture. And the word of the Lord became like a fire within them. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? This is our experience as well when we hear the voice of the living God speaking to us in his word in the gospel. Our hearts burn like a fire within us. The same thing again on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered in the upper room. Tongues as of fire came down upon them. And they began to speak the word of the Lord in different tongues. The voice of the Lord by his word hews out flames of fire. We look down to verse 9. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve, makes the deer to give birth. The power of the storm puts such panic into the animals 
that they go into labor and they give birth and they bring their young to life before their time. God upsets nature. He intervenes in its normal course. He is not bound by the laws of nature, for he is the one who made those laws and he can overturn them whenever he wills. And the voice of the Lord does great and mighty things in the hearts of sinners, intervening in their lives by his word, giving them, bringing them to new life, giving them like like the deer, giving them new birth, making them new creations, transforming them into saints. The voice of the Lord gives new life. In the middle of verse 9, the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. The forest, the trees of the dark forest with their thick leaves, They cover the ground of the forest so that everything is hidden. But when the mighty wind of the voice of the Lord passes over, every tree is stripped bare and uprooted. Every leaf is gone. The ground of the forest is laid bare. And the eyes of all, everything can be seen for what it is. And so is the word of the Lord in the hearts of men. When the voice of the Lord comes by his word, he strips away everything that is false. Every refuge of lies. And he leaves the soul open before the eyes of the Lord in heaven. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The word of the Lord is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And when the voice of the Lord comes to the soul by his word, there is no creature that is hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. At the end of verse 9, and in his temple everything says glory. The temple, his temple here is not the temple in Jerusalem. In this context, it is the world of nature in which he dwells. And every created thing, mountains, valleys, seas, oceans, skies, clouds, stars of the heavens, everything cries out glory to him. For the beauty, the wisdom, the power of God in their creation. And then we see in verse 10. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. David now turns his eye from the world of nature on earth. To the world of God's majesty in heaven. Two times in this verse, he says God is king on his throne. He looks once back in time, and then he looks forward into eternity. The Lord is king at the flood. 
The word flood here is used only in the Bible, only to speak of the great flood of Noah. Genesis chapter 7, the Lord sent the flood of water upon the earth. All the fountains of the great deep burst open. The floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights until the water prevailed. So all the mountains were covered. A worldwide catastrophic flood. The most devastating and destructive power that the world has ever seen. And yet through it all, the Lord sat upon his throne as king, sovereignly ruling all things. He sat as king in justice, in that most terrible judgment, because it was righteous for the great sins of men. And in the midst of all the upheaval, the convulsions of that great flood, all the tumult of it throughout the world, the Lord sat unmoved, untroubled in heaven. And David says, the Lord sat upon his throne as king at the flood. And what David is telling us here is that just as he sat as king in the flood, so he sits as king in the midst of the great storms and the troubles of this present world and everything that he has described throughout this psalm. He sits as king with the thunder and lightning. He sits as king with the roaring of the waters of the oceans, the mighty cedars breaking, the stripping of the forest bare, the shaking of the wilderness, the convulsions of nature. He is still sovereign king, and he sits on his throne in heaven always in the midst of all these things. And he sat as king in the flood. And yes, he says, he will still sit as king into eternity. The Lord sits as king forever and ever. Whatever agitations, whatever revolutions, whatever convulsions may take place in this world, they will never shake the calm repose of Jehovah, or alter any of his decrees. The whole earth may shake and tremble, and nations may be in an uproar and sink into confusion, and men may faint in fear, but Jehovah will never be moved, and he sits on, in heaven in eternal tranquility and peace. The Lord sat as king at the flood, Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. This is the vision that David wishes us to see in this psalm. The Lord sitting upon his throne as the king. And from that throne, he speaks with his voice. And he rules everything that takes place in this world. And the things which this psalm speaks of produce alarm and fear, and trembling in the hearts of men. And they bring men at times to the point of panic, and they do not know what to do. And such times do come, and such times are taking place in this world. 
and none of us are exempt from such times when everything seems to be swept away and men are in great terror and confusion. But this is the only thing that brings calm and stability to the hearts of God's people. To look above the storms and the turmoil of this world and to know that Jehovah still sits as king as he has always been, supreme, exalted, with power, glory, majesty, and sovereignty over all things. And none of his purposes for us and our salvation will ever be changed. The last thing we see in the psalm is the gentleness of the Lord with his people. In verse 11, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Here we have a great transition, a change in the psalm, because in the previous verses, David has spoken of the visible power of God to all men in general, but now he speaks of the hidden secret power of God, a distinguishing power of God that comes to them. The Lord speaks to his people, not as one who overwhelms them with fear and dread, but he speaks to them here as one who upholds them. He speaks to them here as one who cherishes them and strengthens them. He will send strength to his people when all things seem to be coming undone. The Lord will send strength down to his people to uphold them and guide them through it all. And he will bless them. And he will bless them with peace that they may be calm in the midst of the great turmoil of this world. Psalm 28 and verse 8, the Lord is their strength and he is a saving defense to his anointed Psalm 68, verse 35, the God of Israel himself gives strength to his people. And the Lord will bless his people with peace in the midst of the storms. Christ himself is our peace. And he has come to make peace with us. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. Not as the world with all of its tumult. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. And so the mountains quake. And slip into the heart of the sea. And the waters roar and foam. As Psalm 46 says. But there is a supernatural strength that comes down to his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there is a peace that surpasses all comprehension, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, so that we might have strength and peace to endure whatever trouble we pass through. Isaiah 40 and verse 29, he gives strength to the weary And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Psalm 41 in verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. 
Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Paul prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 3 and verse 16 that God would grant to them that they would be strengthened through his spirit with power in the inner man. So the Lord who has such majesty and power to strike terror into the hearts of men in this psalm, he also has abundant power and skill and wisdom to send peace and strength to his people and to save them in every trouble. We have nothing to fear. Even in the midst of the storm, David speaks so calmly here because he will guide us and he will safely bring us into his eternal kingdom where there is all calm and peace and no storm can ever come. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. We close tonight with one other passage where we hear of the voice of the Lord. And it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. Beginning at verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is I'm sorry, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life, a promise of eternal life to all who believe. Then he speaks of two resurrections, the first of them in verse 25. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. He speaks here of a spiritual resurrection. Those who are dead, they will hear the voice of the Lord Jesus speaking in the gospel. And those who hear his voice, they will have eternal life. Verse 26, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son to have life in himself and he gave authority to execute judgment he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man then he speaks of a second resurrection on the last day the day of judgment he says do not marvel at this for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice the voice of the lord jesus the voice of his resurrection power that he will speak on that day and he will gather all men before him. Verse 29, and they shall come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who followed the gospel and obeyed, believed in the Lord Jesus, and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment, those who did not believe and those who did not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection voice of Christ two times in this passage. Verse 25 speaks of his voice in saving men in the gospel. Verse 29 speaks of his voice on the last day of judgment. 
Verse 29 will be the last time his voice is ever spoken in this present world. And then will come the end of all things and the beginning of eternity and heaven and hell forever. And those who have heard his voice in the gospel have nothing to fear. And they will rise from the dead at his voice on the last day. And they will hear his voice say to them, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, the most pleasant voice that a man could ever hear. But those who have not obeyed the gospel, they will hear the most terrible words, Depart from me, accursed ones, I never knew you. The voice of the Lord in the gospel to save sinners is still his voice that is being heard today, tonight in this church. The voice of the Lord in his word for all who believe they shall have eternal life. May God help all of us to believe in the Lord Jesus to hear his voice in the word and to find life and rest and peace in him. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your power, majesty, and the glory that belongs to you. Indeed, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And we thank you that you are such a wonderful and glorious God who rules as king from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, help each one of us here tonight to bow ourselves before you, to acknowledge the greatness of our sin and to look to your beloved Son as the only Savior of sinners. O Lord, open our hearts, break down the hardness that still remains in us. Take away the scales of blindness and deafness, and let us hear your voice, that we might believe and be saved. We thank you, we pray that you would hear us, and bless your word to us now tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.